0: We believe in change and we're prepared for it, with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region.
1: Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one.
0: And once All again, in. our mighty ship is back on
2: course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You roll Show. Welcome, 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 welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Don't know how you found us, but I am certainly glad that you have. And we are uh, really excited. It's a fun time. Despite everything that's going on, we are working hard to bring you quality product. And uh, great conversations and interesting takes on things to get you thinking and talking. And even if you can't, if you're working from home, can't have water cooler talk. Well, maybe you can have the the conversations and the comments you hear uh, will uh, sort of help you engage in conversations with other folks in and around the world of sports, although less these days about sports and more about the things surrounding sports. But this time out, we have a great, great show for you. We are going to visit with Dr. Charles McClellan, the commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, a frequent friend of the show. I can say that he's a friend of the show, and uh, we had an opportunity to catch up with him on ktsu sports talk and if you didn't get a chance to hear that locally on ktsu we wanted to bring you that conversation so you could hear some very important things because he talked about the addition of bethune cookman into the southwestern athletic conference in addition to that he talks about we talked we talked about all the possibilities that come with the expansion which the swag will add next season not this season but next season uh, uh the or next season sports calendar year let's say that the uh swag will expand to 12 schools but cookman and fam you join the fold so uh we will talk to him about that in addition to that we are going to the we the people segment where we could talk about uh we'll hear from you guys and of course i want to remind you guys of a couple of things you can reach out and touch me anytime you like with a sports take or any comment you like at eight three two nine four one six six one four that's eight three two nine four one six six one four that's the sports line and i i love hearing from you guys so the more the merrier and i know that a lot of people haven't commented as frequently because you know of course people want to tune into sports to hear sports and have uh have sports takes and we haven't had a lot of that but still nonetheless we pose questions for you on the sports talk with Devin wade page and group on facebook so you you got the sports line you have me on Facebook the page in the group, and of course, you have the Wades Word Productions.com website. That's a Word Productions.com website. Go there, sign up for the email list, and occasionally we will send out emails to keep you guys abreast of what we are doing. There are several ways to reach out to us for other reasons. If you want to send music, music at Wades Word and if you'd like to become a, a sponsor, you can go to Advertise at Wades Word Productions.com. i tell you what, my folks. We roll hard, and I'll show that. I'll prove that to you guys. When and if we're ever able to have a remote, <laughs> so you know, I drugged my feet for so long and didn't make that happen, and now of course we can't make that happen. And uh, living in Texas, it may not ever happen. Feel really, really. Look, I've grown up a native Houstonian, native Texan, and I love the the Texas swagger, and I love the the stuff the the stuff that people hate about Texas, I love about Texas, except now <laughs> because now the general attitude of freedom and defiance in the wild, wild west to some extent, uh, we internalize that attitude, the arrogance of knowing that we've uh, been our own country before. Although I'm not for secession was never for secession, just like Sam Houston, never for secession. <laughs> but you know, we had this spirit, we had this thing that if I came from, i don't know missouri i wouldn't have that like like some of those states like uh, what are you proud of (laughs) but but texas is texas you can go anywhere in the world but now we're known for all the wrong reasons because we are essentially dumb who are not wearing our masks and we're only surpassed by florida and I'll have somebody else I want to mention uh, with the Lamont Award. The Lamont Award, of course, the big dummy of the podcast. You'll hear that at the end of the program. So not a lot of features this time out, but a lot we want to get into. Um, Before I get into headlines, I want to give some shouts out to cities and places around the world that have been supportive and uh, have been listening. We look at the analytics and we look at some of the locations and, of course, h Town. H-Town is all love. H-Town takes great care of me, and I certainly appreciate that. And Humble and Sugarland, Missouri City, Stafford, Lamarck, Texas, all over uh, that folks listen uh, around the area. But also Austin, Texas. Shouts out to folks in Austin who are listening, have a a number of uh, listens in the Austin area. Now, uh, Fairfax, Virginia is another area. I don't know who and how, but that's great. Hello to V-A. We certainly appreciate you. And O'Fallon, Missouri. We certainly appreciate the folks in O'Fallon. And uh, I don't know, again, uh, a lot of folks listen in that area. And we certainly appreciate that. So love all the way around. And finally, Friendly in the United Kingdom. Friendly United Kingdom. So Friendly. Don't know much about Friendly. I would love to go there. You, You guys are listening. You want me to come and do a remote? Send for me. Well, not yet. Wait a minute. I don't know. First of all, we're probably banned. I know the EU is banned us, but with Brexit, have you guys banned us too from flying into the country? Have you banned uh, Americans from flying over? I don't know. But I, I wouldn't want to do it now anyway. So that's that's not up for debate. But someday, if you want me to come to Friendly, I sure will. Also, my man Ray Miller. I have to shout out to my man Ray Miller. Ray Miller sent me something on Facebook where he showed me folks listening to the podcast. Being on radio, I never have to think about who's listening. I, I really try not to think about how many people are listening. I just try to do my thing and do me, and I, I can't. I don't try to spend a lot of time thinking about the audience because you know, hey, not the easiest thing to do. But I, I had a chance to watch people listen to me, and that was very, very fun. <laughs> so, and also, shouts out to Oil Always Rises on Twitter. Oil always rises on Twitter. Now, uh, again, let me say this lately, probably more so than before I get into my little zone and I I make political comments and commentary. And um, sometimes that can be sort of, I guess, a debate if you want to call it that with different people. But I said something which it was it had to do with self-responsibility. It's a long story. It is something that is a plague on people taking responsibility for the plight of African-Americans. So they act like, okay, you can treat, mistreat people for 400 years in every single way, under-educate, under-serve, under-protect, over-police. You can do all this for 400 years, and these people in about, what, a generation or two are supposed to be up to speed with everybody else when, systemically, those avenues still aren't opened, Policing, we're still over-policed in in our communities. We're over-sentenced with the prison system. We're over-represented with the prison population. Schools, inner-city schools, are not adequately funded and given all the resources. I mean, so so many things. Unemployment, higher. any, Any measurable systemically, African Americans are measuring lower because this has been a besieged population. But Ray-Ray need to pull up his pants. Oh, it's Ray-Ray's fault there's violence in the neighborhood. It's Ray-Ray. So that's a deeper conversation. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into it here. But I, I I saw a post. It was a preacher from Houston. And I watched the preacher. Oh, well, you know what? He he was on his thing. Ray-Ray need to pull up his pants. Okay, Ray-Ray might need to pull up his pants. I'm, I'm all for self-responsibility. But let's, let's not rejoicing yeah that's the problem that's the problem no systemic racism over 400 years has been the problem and when you see twenty-two thousand people just jump on that like yeah hooray hooray we have found a solution it's their fault it's not america's fault then i take umbrage with that and i said so and i felt like their confederate undergarments were showing and then the my man oil always rises he um instead of taking it that way he he wanted me to expound on it and whether he agreed ultimately or not i think that he was coming from a place yeah well we all need to take responsibility i I don't think people understand systemically how deep this thing is and i think we're pulling at the thread when you talk about george floyd we're starting to pull at the threads at those issues and people are not going to like what they see because it's deeply rooted in the pillars of the foundation of this country so again enough about that you can tell somebody's been reading over the summer somebody's trying to read a little bit and educate himself so of course i'm gonna talk about it as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as i go on into uh, the podcast so uh, anyway that stuff aside i want to get into a look at some headlines in headlines well as we get a little bit closer to the reality of the nfl getting started the nfl has canceled a couple of their preseason games so instead of four we're down to two and it seems like okay all right now it's getting real you could talk about it plan it do whatever ignore it never really mention it a whole lot publicly and talk about this that and the other but now it's getting real as the calendar continues to turn and the numbers go up. Sorry about that, United States. I'm apologizing for Texas. I'm sorry we won't wear a mask. I'm sorry we won't wear a mask. Why? 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 And again, I know. I know this is sports headlines. But why will we not wear a mask? Such a little, small price to pay. And I've been banging on this forever because I want to be free. Because unlike a lot of people, I have really been laying low. I don't go anywhere because, again, you know, I'm trying to abide by all of this so we can get some sense of normalcy. I told you, I think I've had COVID and I'm not quite recovered from that. My lungs, I'm still having respiratory issues. And the thought of having something worse scares the hell out of me. For those of you who know, and I mentioned this. Got sick in January. Went to a specialist, respiratory, a pulmonologist. So, you know, so I think I had COVID. I'm telling you. Because you, when you talk to people and they say, well, we're not recovered 100%. Uh, even months later that's how i feel about that but i say that to say we because we're not wearing our masks numbers have shot up shot up in, in florida, arizona, california and a lot of places around the country and it really looks like that is going to affect or delay or really force these leagues to make decisions even though they're trying to you look at uh, the nba 25 guys in the nba have now tested positive for covid and you talk about rudy Gobert for the utah jazz who he, he was the big don- at the beginning of all of this by touching all over the microphone and touching all over things. He, his illness was responsible. The reason why initially the NBA shut down him. And then he gave the to Donovan Mitchell that created problems with them. He says he still can't taste anything and he doesn't feel quite like himself. He doesn't know if he's just cause he's not in basketball shape. He says he won't know until he is involved in basketball activities. So that's going on. 25 players have tested positive. Certain players still have not made a decision on whether or not they're going. Tebo for the Houston Rockets is not going. So they have signed Bamute. They re-signed the former Houston Rocket, um, Bamute, and that doesn't affect them so much. But the other guys, Dwight Howard, not sure. I guess he's going to come. seems some question about whether or not he's going to come or not. So as the NBA gets closer, we don't know. Baseball, you still have well, You had a facility closed this week. So, so not great news, not great news at all when you look at the numbers. Now I'm hearing something that I haven't had a chance to look into. it. A second NBA bubble they're talking about having. So we, we, we don't know. Everything is so fluid. But I say that to say that the first shoe has already dropped in the NFL or the elimination of two preseason games from four down to two. So now that's happened. But on the field, biggest news, Cam Newton has signed with the New England Patriots. Now, that is a big deal. That That is a great deal for him. And it's a one-year deal. He has a, an incentive-laden contract, but a base of $550,000. Not a lot of money. But hey, if Cam goes in there and has a winning season, he can go he can name his price a a lot of places. Now one thing that has hindered him obviously has been injuries. Injuries have, have plagued him for a while now. In addition to that, he never had a, a stocked uh, sort of cabinet of athletic talent around him. He had some decent running backs. He had Greg Olson, which he's a nice tight end. Uh he had him, Steve Smith. But he hadn't had like marquee receivers generally. He got McCaffrey, but he really didn't get a chance to play a lot with him because he was banged up for the majority of that of his time there. Uh, But so, so like if you look at uh, what Matt Ryan has in Atlanta, you look at even what Garoppolo in San Francisco has, or Pat Mahomes where you have so much depth and quality at those skill positions, it makes the job easier for a quarterback. Cam didn't have that a lot. And he still was the league MVP and went to a Super Bowl. While he hadn't handled certain situations properly by the standard of I don't know what a quarterback should be. I've been the first to be critical of him on some of these things, not and you know too much attention to style and all that stuff. Just the peripheral stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with preparation and and so I think in some regards he's gotten a little bit of a bad rap, but I hope he's healthy because it'll be interesting to see what New England can do with a healthy Cam Newton and how they'll choose to utilize him. If he is athletic uh, enough to be a run threat, some, I don't really care about seeing a lot of that, but you want to see that uh, ability to really extend plays and, and create things with his feet if he's healthy. So yeah, that's a fun fun, and I think it makes them gives them a better, opportunity to have success than tampa bay i think that one move if he's healthy now that's something saying, something saying, oh well, is still going to be the guy and cam will be the i guess the taysom hill or something i don't know what what they think but that's not how that's gonna go if cam is good to go he'll be the starter and if he's not he'll probably get cut so that's that's how that'll go that's with the idea that we still will have a season So we'll have to see on that. In addition to that, Texas A&M is under one year of probation. And I'm telling you, until they take soil raws down, until you do right by those students, everything you touch. I don't know. I have to go back and quote my color purple a little bit more accurately. I have to practice that one. But no, so one year of probation. We'll get into the terms of that at some point, maybe. I'm not. I mean, but I know that they've had a lot of strife there, and the Mississippi State flag came down. And we'll talk about this with Dr. McClellan, um, Mississippi Valley State's coaching staff. Uh, they were there amongst all the other college coaches, and shout out to the folks that really fought to get that down and it started uh, with Mississippi State running back Kylan Hill, who said that he would not represent the state as long as the Confederate stars and bars were a part of the state flag. So he started all of this. And then Mike Leach reluctantly got aboard uh got on board. And then uh, the sec got on board and then the NCAA, I mean, they'll all run to take credit for who did it first, but uh, the NCAA had said, well, we're not having any championships there. And so that was an issue. Uh, but fortunately because of Colin Hill, he is a, Hero.
3: hero that is
2: a special young man he took a stand and he said look i'm not going to represent mississippi state as long as that happens and if you started to lose and I, and i think the college players are starting to understand their power and i give them all the credit in the world they truly can empower themselves and make change and maybe they can make further changes Uh, Although, again, the window is so short to have a football career to try to get to the NFL. You know, you just don't have much time. So you can't sacrifice a year or two tied up in court battling for uh, for certain things. But they will start to get compensated for their likeness. Things that the the tide is turning, but there needs to be more compensation involved. After the covid, we don't know what will happen because we don't know how. How will this fundamentally change the dynamic of athletics? Because a lot of schools are going to lose a lot of money. Now, do you, do they become less dependent on sports money or more so and say, okay, well, we can pay them because we do need this? Because a lot of the funds raised by, especially the bigger programs, support the universities, not just, not just the athletic department. And it helps with enrollment, it, it people applying. It helps with alumni making contributions to the university. All of those things are tied to... Sports and sports programs, especially football and basketball, those sports, people like if I went to, you know, I don't know, podunk you or whatever in my school, it was up to win the state. I mean, the uh, national championship. I'm going to write a check for the, to the Alumni Association. I'm going to go to a game. I'm going to start an endowment with my imaginary millions, whatever. But I'm saying what I say. said, it stimulates all kinds of financial gain for universities. So after all of this, they may not have a, a year with football, or at least a fall with football. We'll have to see how people look at sports moving forward and value these athletes even more. Because now we know how really vital and dire those funds are. I mean, I think we always knew, but to see it happen the way it's happening, I mean, it just blew my mind. $81 million for Texas A&M in ticket sales alone. Not the TV deal. That's not any of the other things that come with it. $81 million in ticket sales annually. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. And if these athletes... Come together and say, "Okay, we're going to shut it down again, but this time, until you compensate us, watch how quick something will get done in those regards." Because scholarship is not enough. Scholarship is not enough, especially when a lot of these programs really aren't dedicated to educating these kids to the fullest. I mean, to giving to really making sure. And I'm, I'm, the NCA is instill some things and put some things in place to make sure uh, the 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 student athletes start to graduate. It's it's still more compensation is needed, in my opinion. But then that's a a deeper discussion. So with that, I'm going to take time out, come back on the other side, and get into some We the People. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on any platform in which you get your podcasts. All aboard your nonstop getaway to the weekend. It's the Friday Express with yours truly, Devin Wade, each and every Friday from 7 p.m. until 10, where we feature a little bit of this. a little bit of this and a whole lot of this (laughs) end your work week and start your weekend with your non-stop getaway to the weekend the Friday Express with Devin Wade exclusively on KTSU 90.9, your community station. Time for We the People. And the We the People segment, we get your feedback, whether it's through phone calls to the sports line, 832-941-6614. We also uh, do polls occasionally on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. That is how we uh, sort of stay in touch with you guys. Took some phone calls. Let's see what folks are talking about on the sports line. Hey,
1: man, this is Fresnel Harvey. Calling about uh, Cam Newton real quick. I honestly think it's not a bad pickup for the Patriots because if his head is in the game and if he's 100 percent healthy, I think that system could possibly work for him and they can uh, they can do something with him. It's interesting they haven't had a quarterback like that where they've had to utilize a running style well since before Brady actually. So I think that it that it actually could work, and I'm very curious to see how it does work. But I'm also glad he's out of the NFC South too. As always, uh, thanks for taking my call and appreciate the show. Take care.
2: As always, appreciate you checking in, Pernell. You know, yeah, it's going to work out. The Patriots did have a simple a sampling of this with Jacoby Brissett. And if you remember, he did work against the Texans and beat the Texans. I think it was 17-0. So he's had a little taste of mobility at quarterback, but they have not had anything in the way of an uh, athlete uh, like uh, Cam Newton uh, back at Signal Caller since, what do you want to talk about, Tony Eason, Steve Grogan? No, it's been a long, long time. Let's see what we have next.
1: What's going on, Devin Wade? It's your boy Nate Jones calling the time in on the Cam Newton signing. First thought that came to mind was I'm excited. Second thought is I hope he's actually able to get on the field. One, because I don't know if I got my doubts about whether we going to have a football season this year. Three, the contract is incentive late. So combine that with that previous thought as far as, you know, the season actually happening, the only way he get paid it sound like you know, for the most part, is if he get on that field. And so, you know, is Bill Belichick, once he's him, does that automatically make Cam the starting quarterback and Bill Belichick uh, playing? Or he going to, you know, make Cam and Jarrett get him competed out on uh, in practice? That's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, the main thing is, shit, are we even going to have an NFL season? So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm excited, but I'm also kind of like a little let down because I just don't, I got my doubts about whether this whole season is going to, Gonna even happen. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, how's it going to play out as far as Cam? Is he the automatic starter off rip or, you know, is he going to have to compete it out? Because the last time I saw Cam, he looked too good now. Apparently he's healed and he's healthy, and that's a good thing. You know, I'm happy for the brother, man. I hope he truly is healthy and ready to roll. And uh, another thing, another thought that came to mind was a lot of Cam fans will tell you they didn't think that he had the weapons down there in Carolina to be successful. Well... To that, I say, I think the elephant in the room is what weapons he got in the ring with? <laughs> that's going to help him be successful besides the coach and, what, Julian Edelman and when Tom Brady had those same weapons last year for the most part and they struggled offensively. So we'll see, man. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited uh, to, to see the opportunity of seeing Cameron play football again. I know he don't want to go out, you know, the way the way things went out, you know, played out before he, uh, before he got injured, injured. So... I'd be excited to hear what you got to say on this
2: whole thing. Peace out. Thanks, Nate, for calling. You know, and those are some of the same concerns I have about Cam's. Well, you know, you first of all, I think a lot of people are happy to see the guy sort of uh, return to the game, and hopefully he is healthy because you don't want to see him go out the way he did. But at the same time, I think there's a great combination. Even though uh, Belichick and the Patriots don't have a, a loaded offensive arsenal, Uh, you have to believe that their guys generally get a little bit better. They get gone. They have not invested as much in the skill positions. Even though I've documented this in past podcasts, they've tried in different ways more than people think. They just haven't been able to adequately address uh, those deficiencies at wide receiver. And since Gronk and and Aaron Hernandez, you know, went by the wayside for one reason or the other, they haven't really been able to replace that production at a tight end. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Let's see what we have coming up next.
3: Hi, I am Jay Keith calling in regarding the question of today. What should athletes do to affect change after the horrific murder of George Floyd? There's only one thing the NFL players can do at this point, and that is to impose economic sanctions by not playing. um, Until the NFL demonstrates in deeds and in actions, their stance on police brutality. I recall, uh, as many will, in a meeting, Jay-Z indicated that we are beyond kneeling. That being the case, what deeds are they going to demonstrate that we are beyond annealing? Uh, it's time to put some action behind the words. And if nothing, don't play. By now, the NFL should have issued a statement. Uh, and they have not done anything, so I don't think the players should show up, dress up, play, what have you, until some action on the NFL regarding their stance is taken. Thank you. Have a good day.
2: Thanks, Jay, for checking in. We certainly appreciate her call, and I really appreciate your content. She keeps us abreast of just about everything on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, so we certainly appreciate that. Uh, I disagree with uh, boycotting the NFL season. See, you can't impose sanctions on people who have more than you. <laughs> you know, So, it will be the subsequently the millionaires trying to pu- punish the billionaires, and you know, that won't last long, because many of these owners 90 percent of these owners uh, have made all of their money outside of football there are a few football families uh, that i think that that's their primary income still then that may not even be the case so they have other forms of income and obviously they want to make the nfl money uh, but boycotting i don't think is the thing to do i think If you want to say we haven't heard from the league, we've heard from Roger Goodell, who's made some really surprising and uh, sort of, I mean, just shocking uh, admissions on behalf of the NFL. I think the question is, have they done enough? And I think for a lot of people, they have not financial commitments are one thing but we i mean a lot of people are hung up on colin kaepernick and his return in addition to that you wonder what will happen with the rooney rule and trying to make sure you have more representation on the sidelines and in ownership so those are things that the nfl uh, will have to show and not just say so we certainly appreciate that gonna take a time out come back on the other side with our long-awaited conversation with dr charles mcclellan talking swag football but cookman and a whole lot more. Also, we have a Lamont Award. So that's coming up. So with that, going to take the time I come back with more. It's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast.
3: Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. Cobank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832 757 7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devon Wade.
2: Great week for the swag, Doctor Charles McClellan. Back in the building, and boy, what a fantastic week for the swag! How are you this morning? Hey, doing fine, Devin. How's everything going there in Houston? If you have the news, you know it's, it's not the it's not the best week for H Town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we're, we're having yeah. a kind of rough here, and I know you guys are having high numbers in the Birmingham area as well. Am I right about is that the epicenter in Alabama?
4: Yeah, it's in Alabama. And keep in mind, in the state of Alabama, the population isn't as great as Houston, and the health care system isn't as large. So it doesn't take as much to overwhelm Alabama as it does the state of Texas. But again, still alarming. But you've been talking about it on your show ever since it started. You know, the South has opened up. So it's not uh, unrealistic to think that we're all going to be hot spots first. We're, we've been the guinea pigs.
2: Yeah, and we can get into aspects of that a little bit later on. But uh, I mean, this has been a sort of a whirlwind of expansion for the SWAC. First, FAMU jumps ship and uh, becomes a member of the SWAC. And I, I guess that made the folks at Bethune-Cookman look around and say, wait a minute, hold on, let's, let's make a move. And I know that they had the July 1st deadline in which they had to make a decision on exiting or announcing their exit from the league. Talk a little bit about how Bethune-Cookman joined FAMU in becoming members of the SWAC. First
4: and foremost, Bethune Cookman's decision was separate and autonomous from Florida AM. I've seen some of the chatter on social media saying wherever Fairview goes, Bethune goes. And I'm not quite sure that's the way that it happened. But again, having those two institutions together is a natural synergy. It's almost like what do you do if Purdue and Texas Southern are not together? So the SWAC being an opportunity for Bethune Cookman to land clearly sped their thought process and their entire process up in trying to join the SWAC. You know, shortly after the Bethune-Cookman process, they called and kind of let me know some of the background that happened. And ironically, one of the board members for Florida A&M is also on the board for Bethune-Cookman. So they were able to get some behind-the-scenes information from Florida A&M to help speed their process up as well. And again, it was really about fit. And the Southwestern Athletic Conference, adding Florida A&M, really expanded our footprint, it really expanded our brand, and the opportunity for teams to be able to compete really in a super football conference, a super baseball conference, a super basketball conference, all the way down to 18 sports. So Florida and m just spared the process up because again, it would have been a natural fit for
2: them. now being a, a super conference and just talking to Ralph moments ago, this is unprecedented for the concentration of power universities combined the one conference. It, we've never seen anything like this. What will this allow? What sort of luxuries will this allow for the swag as it pertains to just maybe television, maybe even wider exposure? What's some of the, the cachet that'll come with being really the and black college conference? You know, I've seen a lot on
4: social media. Somebody sent me a tweet where they put us as superheroes and they put all of the schools up and we're coming out with a superhero uniform. <laughs> but I will quote an uh, article that I read in the Miami Times, and it says this move puts the swack on par with the SEC as it relates to entertainment value when it relates to our ability to go out and do all of the things that we need to do from an athletic standpoint, it quoted us as being on the same par as SEC. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to get power five numbers for television contracts, but what it does mean is we're now a legitimate player. So it's time to look at where we go from here in regards of television, media rights, in regards to sponsorships, even how we deal with our classes. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about behind the scenes we have 12 outstanding fans. Why not do a battle for the day? Another idea that we're going out there, Devin, that a lot of people haven't talked about, and again, we'll break this on your show, the HBCU Combine All-Star Game, why not do it? Why not do it under the umbrella of the Southwestern Athletic Conference? We have the schools now. Wow. We're in Birmingham, Alabama. They have a senior bowl in Mobile. Why not two or three days later, the Pro Scouts come to Birmingham, And look at us putting together our own NFL combine. So what it does is it solidifies us as a tremendous player in the collegiate of athletics. And as we talked about so many luxuries, we still are coming up with ideas and opportunities to be able to advance our programs forward and again it's all about putting revenue and resources back into the member institutions and creating opportunities for our student athletes
2: yeah because essentially what what the swag is now is what the big east was in basketball back in the 80s and what sec football is now i mean it's a brand unto itself it's sort of i mean it's head and shoulders and of course you talk about attendance now i mean head and shoulders of, of, above anyone on the fcs level It's something special. And I would imagine that in packaging this, that there will be a lot of competition for national deals for this. And especially in light of uh, even the the political environment with all of the things happening with Black Lives Matter and swag being really in the middle of all of that. I mean, how much does all of that play into the brand new, bigger, better Southwest Athletic Conference?
4: It's a significant play. I think ESPN is one of the uh, lucky ones out of all of this, right? We still have a five-year commitment to ESPN, but we will be going back now pushing for more exposure, more Saturday live games because of the product that we have. And I heard you talking about this earlier, but the question was asked, why Bethune? It seems like they're too far too far east, and I know that you talked about a little bit of the scheduling opportunities that we have, and I think you explained very well where well, we won't have to send Texas Southern Imperial to Florida every year or every other year. If we wanted it to be that way, we could stretch it out once every four years. From an Olympic sport standpoint, we can designate divisions, which we will do, and Texas Southern Imperial won't have to go any farther than the Mississippi River, so it's actually going to be a cost saving for our member institutions but it also allows us to do some cross-divisional play to put those games together that most people are going to want to play. So each and every week, each and every sport, is going to be dominant. I know part of the trending conversation now is who goes to the Western Division. Probably going to put it out to the fans, but we're talking travel. We want that to be reduced and minimized. We're talking the ability to maintain rivalries, but we're all talking competitive equity. But I'm not quite sure how you put competitive equity into the categories, right? Because who knows, it's going to be tough on the East, it's going to be tough on the West, it's just going to be a matter of who's going to be the best team that day. So you package all of that, along with the outstanding band that, you know, Florida and m has brought in, Bethune has brought in, and our other 10-member institutions. Bands, again, there's just so many tools in the toolbox that we have to work with. It's, it's going to be exciting for us to try to push this make no doubt about it we are a pre force and we're going to make sure that we utilize our resources to get what we're supposed to get from a revenue generating perspective to advance our league
2: so uh, back to who may join the west and and again I, i know you said maybe the fan you may get fan input on this and it looks like i mean just logistically valley or alcorn or maybe jackson state are those the three candidates uh, that will potentially move to the west?
4: Yeah, I think ultimately, when you look at it, Florida and M and between, they are the farthest east, so clearly they're in the East Division. When you look at Alabama and M and Alabama State, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to jump over the three schools in Mississippi and put them in the Western Division. So you're looking at Mississippi Valley State, which is a travel partner with Arkansas Pine Bluff. You're looking at Jackson State, which is a tribal partner with Gremlin, and you're also looking at Alcorn, which is a tribal partner with Southern. So we'll look at those factors, and we'll see who will be best to go to the West. But, again, the way that we have scheduling with football and basketball and even all other sports, there's still opportunities for them to maintain those rivalries. So let's just say, for an example, if Mississippi Valley State is a team that goes to the Western Division, they still want to play Jackson State and they still want to play Alcorn in football. There's room to do it. They'll still want to do that in basketball. There's room to do it. So we won't break up rivalry. It's really going to be a standpoint of travel and competitive equity and maintaining rivalry. So we have some to do, but, again, it's going to be fun work.
2: I mean, these are fun decisions to, to make. And uh, have you heard anything from any of those three institutions yet on yay or nay or how they feel about possibly moving? Uh,
4: this is probably the first time I've ever said this on your show, Devin, but no comment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I and we both sort of have, have said who we wanted it to be. Uh, we want those Braves coming over to the West. But again, that's just our 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 yeah, fan sure. input. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, I got it. Yeah, so now you, you talk about having the classics. I mean, now you have with Magic City, you have the Labor Day for Us, the Labor Day Classic, the Florida Classic. I mean, talk a little bit about having all of those classics and how, what you can do with, with those now that you have a, another big classic, the matchup between Bethune and FAMU.
4: Well, when you talk about the top five classics for Black College football, four of them will be conference games. The fifth will be Southern Heritage, which Jackson State will play Tennessee State. So when it comes to the football power on Saturdays, we have it all. Somebody brought this to my attention, and I didn't really realize it, but they're saying Florida Classic and the Bayou Classic really could be the playing game for the championship. And just imagine how it would expand those numbers. The Bayou Classic has... Joy, a spike in viewership because that game for the last couple of years have been who represents the West. Just imagine that that thing happens with the East. But you throw in the Labor Day Classic, top five, excuse me, top ten attendance classes. When you look at who we are and what teams are participating, if you want fans, if you want a football game on Saturday and has going to have interest, you now have to come to the Southwest and that later conference. What does that mean in my mind? the price tag goes up. So I heard somebody say, you're bringing Bethune in, they have this big classic with Florida, how does that benefit us? It benefits us because of media rights, sponsorships, and the ability for you to negotiate bigger numbers because now you are the big stick coming into that football game. So you got to treat us a little bit different than you're treating everybody else because we can play each other. That's a conference game. If you don't take care of us, we don't play it anyway. It's got to be a game that we can promote and By the way, we have all of these other games that we're playing with all of these other fans in the stands, so it kind of eliminates, if you choose, the ability for you to say, I don't have to go play these game guarantees. I have all of these conference teams that I can play week in and week out, put people in the stand, and make money. So it's exciting. And, again, I throw this out there. You look at, from a classic standpoint, we have it. But just from a regular football game standpoint, Devin, Jackson State was to play Tennessee State. That game was canceled by the promoter. Southern University wanted to move their season back two weeks, so they didn't play Florida A&M. So what does Florida a and do? They call it up Jackson State. There's going to be as many or more at the Florida A&M-Jackson State game as it would have been at the Florida A&M-Southern game or the Jackson State-Tennessee State game. That's what this super conference is about. If one can't do it, we got another just as good that can pick it up and put people in the stands. Again, the synergy that we bring from classics and just regular game that's gonna have more people than most of the classics out there, that's the Southwest Athletic Conference now.
2: Now, I want to ask you about, now, we know, I mean, from my standpoint, and I look at me, because I didn't pay as much attention to the MIAC, obviously, I mean, being immersed in SWAC, you know, year-round. But you look at Bethune-Cookman, that's a a sleeping giant from a financial standpoint. You talk about their athletic budget is huge, and I think FAMU is probably the the bigger name. People, uh, you know, they know fam you but bethune cookman obviously is a quality quality program from top to bottom talk a little bit about what they bring from a a budgetary and and really a competitive standpoint
4: yeah i'm sure if any bethune uh wildcat listeners out there they'll probably say we are the giant right when uh they played florida a&m let's say in the sport of football i think i read the statistic where they beat florida a&m nine out of the last 10 years you talk about a sleeping giant their budget is uh, somewhere around $15 million. So they're going to be arguably number one or number two in the Southwestern Athletic Conference from a budgetary standpoint. We all know resources directly equate to how competitive your athletic program is. Their baseball program, I think, has won something like 15 baseball championships. They took Florida, uh, which won the national championships that year to the, to the seventh game. Can you imagine our baseball tournament now with the success of Texas up and Rob? Rob has always trying to go play Florida A&M and Bethune. Because those have been the matches. Those have been the national baseball, quote-unquote, Black College National Championship. It's going to happen, and we're going to get opportunities to see it every year at our baseball tournament. Florida, with its as, as track is concerned, you know that Bethune and Florida A&M, from a track perspective, speed is in Florida. <laughs> Speed now is a part of the southwestern athletic conference They rope opens up all of those fertile recruiting grounds. So, when you look at the what we call the commissioner's cup, which is the best overall athletic program, bethune pickman has been at the top and have won three of the last five, especially on the men's side. They won a couple of them on the women's side. So, competitively from top to bottom. But Thune Cookman has been very, very, very competitive and have won multiple championships and multiple sports. So they're gonna come in really with a fit from an athletic standpoint that's gonna be so great for us that instantaneous rivalry is gonna pop up. And then when you look at the history, there's some things that I didn't know, Devin. When so when you start looking at their old CIAA days, Alabama State was a rival. Um, Alabama uh, A&M was a rival for them. They've always played Jackson State and Southern. So they come in with some continuous rivals. Competitively, again, it's going to be just as great, you know, as some of the rivals that we have in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. It was just a great The biggest challenge that we had to look at was the travel. It wasn't competitive. Being able to go to divisions, we're going to reduce travel, not only for the schools coming in, but we're going to be able to reduce travels for schools that are currently in the conference so once we were able to work that out it was a hand in glove fit
2: now i know i mean at 12 schools uh, is the door closed on expansion and i ask because i would imagine that your phone is is at least uh, ringing off the hook with people inquiring about possibilities is the door closed on further expansion uh for the time being well, as a good
4: politician would say, never, Devin, <laughs> I would never say never, right?
2: But
4: Twelve is a good number. Our geographical footprint is great. And I think we need to see who we are now before we just arbitrarily go out and expand. So I would never say never. But where we are now is is uh, exciting and Part of that is you're going to have to draw a circle around this region and look to see who is going to be a good fit. You know, as we looked at with them, the fans were pretty vocal. I got several emails. I saw a lot of social media chatter on who we should bring in, and I, I had recommendations from Langston and Lincoln to the west, all the way up, you know, to Tennessee, all the way east to uh, South Carolina and North Carolina, right? We don't want to go too far. But don't contend as we've already discussed, those challenges. But when you start looking at NAI in Division Two, you look at the resources that it takes for them to move up. Let's say they did have enough money to join Division One, just by the membership fee perspective. But you're not going to get it done in this league with 35 scholarships. You're going to have to come in with scholarships. You're not gonna get it done with minimal scholarships in basketball. So bringing somebody in like a Bethune-Cookman that was already ready and fit that could make this jump was good for us. We couldn't afford to bring in, let's say a division two brand name for football. You bring in a division two brand football that's dominating the division two, but you put them in this league now with 35 scholarships, they won't be able to make it. In this COVID pandemic situation, and I don't know how long the economic impact is gonna last, You could be talking four, five, six years of the division, too. So I know some things talk about this school, that school. The odd number makes it difficult from a scheduling standpoint. And if you don't do it within that geographical footprint, you're getting too far out. We don't want to do that either. Um, So we would have some of the decisions to make. Again, we would never say never, but where we are right now, in my opinion, you'll probably see for quite some time.
0: And, uh, Doc, good morning. This is Ralph Cooper. Many people, they know you're part of the – you're the commissioner of the SWAG. Uh, you've been the athletic director here at uh, Texas Southern and at Prairie View. Uh, but they don't know uh, you, you're involved – you're very involved with the NCAA. What is your role with the NCAA?
4: Good question, Ralph. I think the, the biggest role that I have right now was uh, that I was selected – to be a five-year member of the Division One Men's Basketball Committee, and that's a that's an extensive job. Uh, we were actually at the table. We were the group that recommended to cancel the basketball tournament. So if anybody is mad, the NTA losing all of those billions of dollars, <laughs> if you don't blame COVID nineteen. You would have to blame us. <laughs> but that's a, you know that's a powerful committee. It puts me in the room with the decision makers. It puts me in the room. With individuals that really will assist us within the Southwestern Athletic Conference and being able to get some of the things done, that committee brings legitimacy to the Southwestern Athletic Conference draft. So when I step in the room, I'm not only stepping in the room as commissioner of SWAC, but I'm stepping in the room as a Division One men's basketball committee member that's responsible for, or partially responsible for, a $1 billion product each every year. And we had that appointment for five years. Last year it was still once or so four years that are remaining. And because of that, it has allowed me to kind of do the NCAA. Um, so I'm on several other search committees for the NCAA. But again, from a CTA-22, a Collegiate Commissioners Association, we all get together periodically. During COVID-19 piece, we're talking two or three times a week. So I'm also in the room with all of the other commissioners to be able to help influence national direction of how athletics goes from name, image, and likeness to when do we open up to recruiting calendars, things of that nature. So there's a very prestigious position. It's a very powerful position and a position that I'm extremely humble about. But without the training at Furview and without the training at Texas, I clearly would not be qualified to step in this role and lead our conference forward.
0: And I have one other, one other question sort of tied in with that. What has been the reaction... Of people in, 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 in your arena? I mean, what, what the other commissioners? I mean, when you look at what you just pulled off, uh, a guy from, what, Gulfport, Mississippi? <laughs> <laughs> bleeding, bleeding, swag, blood. You, you, you pulled off, I mean, a, in a short period of time. What has been the reaction of, of, of those people, the other people you come in contact with?
4: Yeah, I think they still feel, feel me out, Ralph. <laughs> uh, I was told a long time ago, People don't know that you're ignorant until you open your mouth. Right. <laughs> so I was able to graduate from Prairie View because I was not opening my mouth because if I would have opened it, they would have understood how much I didn't know. Uh, I was able to get the athletic job in Prairie View because I didn't open my mouth too much because people said, well, give them a shot, and I just I just sat there. So I kind of used it as a, uh, as a process. So going in, looking, learning, and listening, you know, I need to be able to fill out where I am, who the players, who makes this move, who makes that move. And I think they kind of looked at me from the standpoint of the new kid on the block and we really don't know anything about him, but he's within the Southwestern Atlanta Conference. He's not saying all that. Ironically, at our last meeting, I had a couple people come up to me and say, Charles, we've been looking at you, and you're taking this all in, and you're strategically trying to move, aren't you? And I I kind of chuckled and said, well, where do you get that impression? They said, well, we did our homework on you, and we know now. Uh, what your mode of operation is. We're going to keep an eye on you. So I think they have a great level of respect because you just don't have hazardly become commissioner, but they don't know me. They're trying to learn me. It'll be interesting to now see how they view me coming back into the room after the pandemic is over with. But I can tell you, a couple of my colleagues call trying to figure out what was going on with this expansion piece. They wanted to be able to get the own and, you know, I didn't give up the phone like, but I thought it was kind of funny. It was a weak attempt to bluff, rap and they just don't know how hard to play poker in the HBCU. But I think they know now. Yeah,
2: thank w- you. I want to ask you about the teams. We talk about getting phone calls from different teams. Has any non-HBCU team reached out to, uh, about possibly be- becoming members of, of the SWAC?
4: No, not have.
2: Okay, now I want to ask you also about the basketball component. Will it enhance the SWAC's ability to get two teams into the NCAA tournament, or get a better, better, be better positioned when it comes to NCAA at-large bids and higher seedings for your your league or or your uh, your tournament champion with sort of a diminishing MEAC and, and, and a larger, more powerful SWAC? You know, one
4: doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the other. I mean, each conference gets an automatic big, and then your numbers will allow you to get an at-large big. So we talked about this on your show before on how to increase your net, which is your score that they give as far as how good you are as a basketball program. And part of that increase is playing quality division winning product. So if anything helps us raise our overall profile to get a higher seat, and get an additional team in the tournament is bringing in two teams that are great basketball playing teams, playing them, and getting our net number up. So it can help us by the fact that we're playing better teams. And that's a good point. Right now we play 18 games. Bringing in Bethune and Florida A&M, it could possibly add four more games, which will get us at 22. The max is 20. So as a league, we'll have to figure out whether we want to stay at 18 games or go to 20 games. And that's part of our strategy within the Southwest Athletic Conference. Stopping the teams that have very low RPI slash net now, playing teams that have very high RPI slash now net. So if you're ranked 353 out of 353, we're not going to allow you to play the Dukes and the Kentuckys. We're going to put you at a mid-level range. So, not- so soon, if you can help us in that regard.
2: And and like I said, we've been hoping for many, many years because we know the quality of basketball to to get better seating. And, of course, uh, you know, it would be great. To not just have to win the tournament. That hey, if you maybe the conference champion and you slip up, like in other you know other conferences, uh, you, you will get a, a second bid. But again, now those things will be determined. And I think this only helps the, the quality. Like I said, the, the quality of play that'll get these guys ready. Ralph has a question for you. I,
0: I got one more, Doc. Uh, one with the addition of Bethune Cookman and Florida A and M. Will the uh, schools in the SWAC uh, see Less of these money games that take place in football?
4: You know, I hope so, Ralph. Again, we're not going to dictate what they can do, but what we just have accomplished through this move is you can get as much money by playing swag school now than you could going out playing, let's say, a lower level FBS team. Right. So Florida A&M is not going to be on everybody's schedule every year. Bethune is not. So if we maintain the A game schedule, there are three teams in the Eastern Division that you won't play and three teams in the Western Division that you won't play. And it's the same thing that uh, Jackson and Southern is doing. And within our 10-year schedule, we had two teams rolling off each schedule. So the years that Jackson and Southern were rolling off, they would create their own class. That took place of a game guarantee. But just imagine when Jackson and Southern rolls off and Sam is a, a conference game for both and they play each other. That one game places a game guarantee. We've had some schools to play other FCS institutions pay game guarantees. For example, when I was at Texas Southern, we played Sam Houston when Sam Houston was one and two in the nation. They paid us a 200000 dollars guarantee. They were just as good as some FBS schools. You could now have hope for the A and in that slot feel your stands up because there's a, a massive amount of family you in St. Houston, and you don't have to go play that game. So we we certainly think that it's going to eliminate the need to play some of these game guarantees. And with three games on your schedule, hopefully at maximum you go to one game guarantee, you can bring in your game guarantee, and then you can pick up one mid-level game. Because, again, that's going to help us raise our football rankings as well so we can kind of get some of those additional perks that comes with additional rankings and that is if you don't get into the celebration bowl you have opportunity to get into the FCS
2: playoffs. Now, I want to ask you, shifting gears a little bit, I know that a lot of the NCAA schools are getting involved, uh, well, a lot of schools, a lot of players are getting involved with the, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, sort of changing the complexion of how America looks in many different ways. One of the things, a lot of folks have been protesting the Mississippi State flag, and I know that they had... A, a thing while all the, a lot of the college football coaches uh or the college coaches from uh, the schools in Mississippi went to the state capitol as I understand it to protest the state flag and I know Mississippi Valley State was represented can you tell us a little bit more about that and what was going on on that front and, and how how any of that is going and how it came to be
4: Well, I think it started by the NCAA saying that you will not be able to host a championship as long as the flag is flying. And then behind that, the SEC actually said the same thing. The SEC really announced it the day before the NCAA. When you look at Mississippi State and Ole Miss, it, it, it kind of like it is in Texas. Those two flagship institutions carry a lot of weight. And the, the state flag has been an issue for Mississippi. Back in 2001, it went to the voters. Uh, overwhelmingly, they turned it down, so the state flag has, has been there. So uh, the leadership within the black political caucus there in the state of Mississippi she is upon that opportunity to get all schools in the state to go to the state to try to convince legislatures to make that move without having to go to the vote. My understanding is they are extremely close in order to, to make that happen. I'm not that involved with it other than talking to our presidents about the process. You know, some asked us, well, does that mean that we can't have our football championship at all and in Mississippi? And the presidents have talked about that and we're still working all of that out, but there are some contracts obligations that we have that necessarily others don't have. So we have to sort through hours and work through hours, but hopefully this movement will get that flag down. And I talked about this in the interview, you know, being a young black male growing up in Mississippi in the seventies, in the I understand what that flag is in the approach and, you know, it's, it's time for it to come down.
2: Yeah. And just for folks who don't know, I mean, there's a part of a I guess part of it is the is a portion of it is the the uh, Confederate flag within a, a little bit of a larger flag. Is that right? Is that a problem? That is correct. Yeah. I think
4: that I think the history on the flag was when Reconstruction came, as you know, in the South, blacks were Republicans and they had certain seats and they specifically gave them seats in those extreme southern states. And the Confederate legislature that was holding on to the slot kind of put that rebel emblem as a part of the flag to protest all of these blacks getting these positions in a state. But I'm pretty sure Raph can remember this. As a kid, when Raph, I was born in Gulfport, but I was standing in a small town called Sardis, 50 miles south of Memphis, which was about an hour from Oxford, Mississippi. And I remember all the way up into the 80s for basketball and even football, they were run out with a rebel flag.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
4: And it was the honor of the first person running out to carry that rebel flag. And I remember when uh, the first African-American said, I'm not carrying that rebel flag. I don't know what year that was in the 80s. But that spun the big thing no about the rebel flag. It took them another 30 years to get rid of it as a, a symbol because of oppression. But this has been an issue. You know, for quite a long time. So the oldest rebels with the rebel flag. So we understand, uh, history. We understand tradition, but that flag today stands for oppression. It stands for racism and it stands for so many things that's so negative that it's tough for you to justify being a part of the state flag that actually is flying over the state that has the highest number of black population of any other 50 states.
2: That's uh, wild. Right. Uh,
0: uh, one of your fans wanted me to uh, say hello for him. I'll tell you hello. You, you know, you got fans out here <laughs> who say, "Hey, man, uh, don't ask the man tough questions." Uh, blah blah blah. Bill Roseman said to tell you hello. Okay.
4: Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. I miss all of you guys. <laughs> Tell them I have said hello as well. You can I'm glad you. to hear him calling on the show.
2: Yeah. Well, and we, <laughs> uh, before we let you get out of here, I can't go, let you go without addressing where we stand as it pertains to uh, a the pre- proceeding with a, a football season. Uh, obviously, some of the classics have gone by the wayside. We've seen uh, Morehouse cancel their football season. It's been a rough week statistically with this illness. How has this week uh, sort of uh, changed the outlook on the potential uh, of a uh, SWAG football season?
4: I don't think it's changed the outlook, Devin. I think we all have been approaching this thing from a cautious standpoint. I think we all knew that there were going to be spikes. I think we all knew it was going to spike first in the South because we reopened and we've actually reopened so liberally. If, if there's any good news in the spike related to playing football, it's happening now versus happening in August. Because if, this, if football started on next Saturday and the numbers are all where they are now, I'm positive we would not be playing football. So hopefully we can kind of get a hold and a handle of it, learn uh, from it, because I think we, we're very clear. We don't do the things that we're supposed to do. The coronavirus is not discriminated. But You've been talking about this ever since I've been listening to your show, ever since corona hit. you If know, we don't get a hell on it, you're not going and others are not going. There's another group that says, hey, we're going, we're just going to be safe. But we said this from day one. We're not going to put our students out there and put them in harm's way. We're not going to put our coaches. We're not going to put our fans out there in harm's way. And ironically, we heard a presentation for some facility experts about the corona virus Actually, the safest place to be is going to be outside. If you can actually put a football game on and have people outside with masks on and social distancing, you're going to be relatively safe. It's really going to be the inside our confined spaces, such as the basketball arena, the volleyball arena, where the air is just recirculating the virus, so it can't clean the air. And the virus is out there, that's going to be more harmful and more damaging than being outside. So there's a lot of things that we have to work through. But from a fan's perspective, you're going to have to be cautious. You're going to have to be safe. And this virus isn't going to discriminate. But uh, it's, we're going to be cautious. But I, I, would, I would say, you know, if you're at the beach and the waves are getting real high and they put up the yellow flag, I think we're putting up the yellow flag right now. But an extreme warning that, you know, this thing is getting close. Starting football season and we're yeah you know, we're very
2: concerned two more things before we let's get out of here uh obviously we know that like, Clemson has what thirty seven total players have tested positive we heard other programs where uh, guys have tested positive just in the workout phase. have you heard from uh programs around the conference with positive tests of uh student athletes have has that have you heard gotten any feedback of any program being hit particularly hard or hit at all uh from around the country?
4: Well, within our conference, as you know, nobody has reported. So again, health and safety for our student athletes are first and foremost. So we haven't reported. It's been reported about those programs that have had positive tests. What we have seen and heard from our group that there are some programs that have brought their student athletes in with zero positive tests. So again, there is some optimism out there, but there's also a great level of caution. We just have to work it out, but. If there will be a football season, we're going to have to bring the student athletes and coaches and everybody and get them tested and see where we are. And I think you'll start to see that happening mid to late July. And that's when that trigger is going to come as to whether or not we're going to be able to get this season started at the beginning or if we're going to have to push it back a couple of weeks.
2: Well, and final question, do you have a, a ritual or routine for celebrating each piece of good news? Because, again, you had fam you come but Cookman, and, and sort of the the good news keeps coming in certain respects with Swag. Do, do you have a particular uh, routine? Is there a, 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 Do you pop a bottle every time we get some good news? What do you do uh, when something big like uh, all this good stuff uh, happens for you personally?
4: I kiss my wife and I kiss my daughter. Uh, and that's that's enough celebration for me. That, <laughs> again, I, I don't want to make it too fishy, but, you know, she my wife quit her job quit her career, quit everything that made her to be a professional to follow me to Birmingham, Alabama. So I owe it to her to be successful. I owe it to her to make sure that I create an opportunity for us to live and be excited. And all of this really, for me, from a celebratory standpoint, is exciting to know that we made the right decision leaving Houston, coming to Birmingham, Alabama, and that I can make her proud to say that she made a good decision to give up everything that she had to follow me here to
2: Birmingham. Well, that is uh, more than awesome. And again, uh, didn't, we didn't anticipate like it, that it would be such good news in such uh, in such a short span of time. But we certainly are glad to be able to have you on and, and talk to the folks. Uh, we're really all over the country who listen uh, on the web. And all, all the folks in and around the city of Houston, we certainly appreciate the time. And congratulations. I want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan for joining us. And, of course, uh, the legend Ralph Cooper, whose voice you heard in that interview you as well with that it's time for the lamont award i don't want to wish you no bad luck
0: but i hope your ship sinks with no lifeboat and no life preserver and a school of
2: piranhas surrounding you you big dummy The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity situation. Somebody in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. This time out, I am not going in the world of sports. I'm not going to the state of Texas, which (laughs) I probably should. (laughs) Should, I should really be going to the state of Florida, but for this, despite the fact that we have a lot of folks in Alabama that listen, uh, it's folks from Alabama that are the big dummies of the episode, and I will tell you why. University of Alabama undergrads, we know kids are dumb. I mean, as the smart as they can be, and they know things, they'll know and learn things that I will I can't even fathom. We know that they are on a trajectory to learn things that uh, will take us to the next level. I guess collectively, the, the generation of young, I guess, what is it, Generation Z now? I don't know what, what they, they're called, whatever generation this is. But there's some dumb in the mix because at the University of Alabama, they are having, and, and maybe you've heard this, but they're having a COVID contest, a Corona contest. What they're doing is convening with someone who has COVID, and they are seeing who is the first one. They're competing to see who is the first one that will get corona, and I guess that person wins a prize or a financial reward of some sort. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. You have a situation where people are literally dying. A hundred and twenty-eight thousand people in about under four months have died, and people are ill and hospitalized. And in Alabama. They've decided to have fun with this and have, and again, I hope this is greatly exaggerated. I hope it's one of these things that was primarily an urban myth, but I suspect it's not. And it's terrible and unbelievable, and for that reason, we have to give those students at the University of Alabama the Lamont Award because you are all big dummies. You big dummy. And I know technically they were like Corona parties or COVID parties, but any party that you have these days is a COVID party. So I I chose to call it a COVID contest. But nonetheless, you you get the gist of it. Pretty stupid. Uh, But there are a lot of folks, a lot of irresponsibility to go around. But hey, with that, I'm gonna get out of here. But before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank uh, Dr. Charles McClellan for having a conversation on KTSU Sports Talk. And, of course, uh, uh, we certainly appreciate Larry the Chatterbox Hill for helping to make that happen. The legend, Ralph Cooper, whose voice you heard in the mix. I want to thank the folks who took time out to call. I want to remind you, you can call us at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Don't forget to go to the website and Sports Talk with Devin Wade Page and group. So continue to join us as we have a whole lot of fun bringing you information and entertainment, we hope. Getting out of here, and until next time, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any
0: fugitives from justice. And <laughs> four, bye.
2: <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word,